I just want to jump in here with a quick note about some changes that are happening. This podcast is now going ad-supported. What that means is I will be releasing select episodes from the hundreds of episodes I have archived now on Patreon and releasing them here. A lot of these were recorded a couple of years ago during 2020 especially. However, I have gone through them and deemed that the parenting information was still really relevant. So just be aware that some of these releases may be out of order chronologically. Also, if you would like to listen to the podcast ad-free, you can still join Patreon. I'll still be releasing podcasts there with a few bonuses. One is that it will be ad-free. One will be that you get the podcast slightly earlier than everybody else. And I'll also be doing a bonus episode every month with a Q&A that's patron specific. So if that's something you'd like to do, you can join for a dollar a month and we'll see you there. Thanks, guys. Hey, I'm Jamie Glowacki and you are listening to Oh Crap, I Love My Toddler, But Holy Fuck. This is a podcast for conscious parents who drop the F-bomb a lot. Welcome, welcome. Today, I want to talk about bullying. So I have had a couple of questions regarding bullying and largely how can you help your child be more resilient in the face of bullying? And I really want to pull this apart because this is a subject that is sort of near and dear to my heart only because I think it's one of those areas that's being very misunderstood, misused. The term bullying itself, I think, is overused. And I think it's really important to teach our kids, starting from a very young age, not only what bullying is or isn't, but how to find their voice and also how you can prevent having a kid who's a bully. Because I think like all things in parenting, it's a practice. It's not one talk. It's not one action. It's sort of a, you know, a growth a practice throughout childhood. So first, let's define bullying. I always like to do that, right, with Webster's definition. Bullying is the use of force, coercion, hurtful teasing, or threat to abuse, aggressively dominate, or intimidate. One essential prerequisite is the perception of an imbalance of physical or social power. Psychology Today defines it as a distinctive pattern of repeatedly and deliberately teasing or humiliating others, specifically those who are smaller, weaker, younger, or more vulnerable than the bully. The deliberate targeting of those in lesser power is what distinguishes bullying from garden variety aggression. So I I really want to repeat those because I think the big thing when we say bullying, again, I think it's completely overused. It's deliberate targeting of those in lesser power. That's what distinguishes bullying from garden variety aggression, okay? It's targeting. It's consistent, persistent, Overt physical aggression, right? Like kicking, shoving, biting, that's what you're going to find in younger kids. True bullying doesn't really start till about seven, you know, and these are rough ages, and it sort of peaks around 11 to 13. Relational bullying, that's the exclusion of kids, spreading rumors, pulling social rank, that's found in older kids. So for our purposes today, I'm only talking about the sort of person, in-person physical bullying. I'm not talking about cyberbullying. That's a whole nother ball of wax. 
I want to concentrate on the in-person bullying because I know that it's being used with toddlers and toddlers with very few exceptions. Most toddlers are not truly bullying. They're, they're showing overt aggression. And it's very important to distinguish this because bullying, there's zero tolerance. We'll get, we'll talk a little bit more about that later in the podcast, but there's zero tolerance in that term. Bullying can be ostracizing. It can be a crazy ass label and it can follow your kid. And I think it's just very important to distinguish because again, Kids are being taught that bullying is somebody being mean to them. That is not bullying. That is another kid being mean, being a dick, being aggressive. But it's very important to distinguish this and teach our kids the difference so that your kid isn't walking around calling other kids bullies as well. Bullies are made, of course, they're not born. They exhibit certain traits. They lack pro-social behavior. They're untroubled by anxiety and they don't really understand other people's feelings. I actually know people and I've worked with people who they kind of know their kid. And you guys, you just don't know like mental health and how your kid is. You just, it's a luck of the draw really. So, you know, you could have a kid who has antisocial tendencies. You know, I, there are kids who just have their own DNA. I mean, all our kids have their own DNA. But just because you raise your kid in a loving and empathy-filled home doesn't necessarily mean that you are free of having a bully kid, right? So I think it's really important to be able to view our kids through a fairly objective lens, even though that's impossible. But most bullies, um, another hallmark is they misread intentions and behavior of others, often seeing hostility in neutral situations. And I think for me, you can really, I mean, we have sort of classic examples of bullies. You know, we have mean girls. We have the movie Mean Girls, but we we know what the mean girls look like. We all knew them in high school, you know. I think the classic example is if you watch a Christmas story, uh, a Christmas story. Yeah, that's the one with the with Ralphie, right? Like if if you've seen that, you th- th- those are bullies. Those are bullies and they they have a certain trait and I think that's sort of the classic bully. They seek out targets, usually others who are easily preyed upon, right? Who become visibly upset, who don't have any friends or allies, right? So like Ralphie had his little brother. He's not much help, right? <laughs> it's important to note here that bullies will carry out aggression in front of peers but they will hide this from adults. So if you see, if your kid is kicking another kid, like right in front of you, that's not bullying. That's shitty behavior. That's aggression, but that's not bullying. Bullying, there's a secretive aspect. There's a targeting, right? And and there's a following of praise and bullies will actually like shop for their prey. So it's very important to remember that. So what you see, you see shitty playground behavior and it's sort of right in front of you. I can almost guarantee that's not bullying. Yeah. I want to take a second because I, I find myself talking to clients about this and it is a very dark and horrible part of human nature, but I think we have to mention it. Okay. Two very nasty things about humans is one in nature and By primal nature, animals will routinely ostracize and pick on the weak. I am a hunter and there are animals who, once the other animal goes down, they will stampede that animal. Birds, if there looks like there's going to be a weakness, the mom will kick the bird out. Of course, this is very primal behavior. 
Yeah. We have a nugget of that left in us. And so there is this, especially the younger the child, the less empathy they have, the less thinking, you know, the the less consciousness your child has. So if there is a weakness in another child, they often will go for it. And that's, again, that's not bullying, but I think it's worth talking about because it's, it's a dark side of human nature that we have to look at. We want to counteract it at all costs. And one of the things I think you can counteract that with little guys is to always be sure if there's not anybody in their life that has like an obvious handicap or disability, you know, one of the things you can do is when you see somebody with a disability in the market or something, instead of averting your eyes, you can maybe go up and talk to the person. And I know all my friends who are disabled always appreciate that. And so, you know, you want to look quote unquote weaknesses. You want to teach your child empathy through engaging with that person, not just like, okay, move along, don't stare, that kind of thing, right? The second thing about human nature that's really ugly is that having power over another human being makes us feel really good. And it it activates something inside of us. I can't say really good in like the happy way, but it activates something inside of us that hits a pleasure button. Otherwise, we wouldn't have had the Holocaust, you guys. There's a reason that Hitler got so many people to do such atrocities. Yeah. Having power over other people activates something inside us that feels good. There's a famous um, experiment called the Milgram experiment, and I'm going to sort of bastardize it in my retelling of it, but it's worth, it's worth Googling. I, I remember the first time I heard about it, I was horrified. So basically there was a subject was told that they were helping people at Yale. This took place at Yale. They were helping the uh, professors at Yale learn the effects of punishment on learning. And so they sat across from a person. And if the person got the answer wrong, they could shock them and they could shock them anywhere from zero to 30, zero being hardly anything and 30 being really bad. And what it really was about is the person doing the shocking. And the experiment was on their willingness to obey authority. And even knowing that the person that they were shocking was in pain and it was fucked up. So not only, and the researchers were shocked at the results. So not only were the subject being the person who was shocking, right? Not only were they willing to obey the authority so that the victim would say the answer wrong, the person doing the shocking would, you know, buzz the person according to the authority figure. The authority figure would go, yeah, he got it wrong. Can you shock him? But then the person doing the shocking started to do it like a level above what the authority figure asked. So they basically got sort of drunk with this power of shocking a victim, even though the victim was in pain and saying, please stop, please don't. They this sort of devilish dark part took took over. And so it was a really shocking experiment for all involved. And there were all kinds of things is one, you know, one was that because it took place at such a prestigious university, did the, did the subject think that it was trustworthy, you know, but they still ran away with their power. And that was, that just shows us, I think that we all have this capability. And I think that's one of the things we have to look at in our own spiritual psychological work is that we're all capable of doing something really dark. And so I think it's just worth noting because when your kid is little and they're going into those years, you know, when they're going into six, seven, eight, I think it's just important to to keep 
in mind that this can happen even to the nicest kid. You know what I mean? And so we have to look human nature in the eye when we're talking about things like this and not just discount it. Because I feel like so much of the bullying question, both if your kid is accused of being a bully or if your kid is the victim of being a bully, we tend to brush off the wrong things, I think. And, oh, you know, just go tell the teacher or, oh, just be nice. You know, like it's not quite that easy. So we do have to look at these two factors. You know, we have to fight against this primal nature and we have to look at, number one, of course, we want we want to fight that human nature with modeling, empathy, and generally accepting of all kinds of people, right? But let's look at the two components here. Your kid is being bullied or and or your kid is accused of being a bully, okay? So the very first thing I think we have to break down is is your child, let's look at your child's being bullied, okay? And we have to find out, are they really being bullied? I think in the true definition of being a bully, it's super severe. And I think it can be so damaging, you know? And again, we look at sort of that classic Christmas story that, you know, that exists and that exists still. I had a growing disorder. And so I didn't hit puberty till after high school. I was tiny. When I went into ninth grade, I was 4'10". And I think I weighed like 87 pounds or something. I mean, I was super tiny. I, I caught up and I kept growing past when everybody else stopped. But it was it was pretty tragic because I was like a little tiny pocket person. And so the football team thought that it would be really great to literally, you guys, they would throw me around. It was so horrible. And they would put me in lockers. I like had to walk into school in the ninth grade with my friends surrounding me. I'd crawl. I'd go in emergency exits. It was a nightmare. And it totally fucked with me. So, <laughs> um, I mean, I can laugh about it now, but it was awful. It, it gave me such anxiety and it was just, it, it ruined. I couldn't even think my freshman year of high school. I was just so concerned about like where they were lurking. So I do think like actual bullying is super, super, super awful and tragic. So the very first thing though is, is your child actually being bullied or are they being the target of aggression and just shitty, shitty, shitty behavior. And the way to ascertain that is to really ask for details. So if your kid says, you know, this kid bullied me at school, be like, all right, well, let's break, let's break this down and let's find out if they're just being a jerk or if they're being a bully. So you want to, you want to start a culture of distinguishing the two, because again, we would address bullying very different than we address aggression. And, and you want to be very cautious accusing somebody of being a bully because in school, again, that can be a, a real bad label for a kid if it's not actually what's happening. So if you can get the information out of your kid, hey, who was around? What happened? What did the kid do? How did you react? And you know, you don't want to grill them like it's uh, the Inquisition because your child will probably shut down. But you really, really want to... You want to look at that and you want to really dissect it. You have to know your kid. Is your kid a victim mentality kid? Is your kid kind of a whiner? And I say that because Pascal is. Pascal is a victim mentality kid. And he's real quick to, um, I think I've told this story on the podcast. There was an incident once where a kid was shooting him point blank in the face with a Nerf gun. But get this, it was a single loading Nerf gun. So a single shot, one single thing, you know, now they make these high powered Nerf guns. It was a single shot, which meant that the kid had to 
reload. He had to take 20 seconds, get a bullet out of his pocket and reload this gun, this Nerf gun and shoot Pascal. This kid shot probably about six bullets, point blank at Pascal's face. Now I'm not excusing the kid, but fuck Pascal, run. Like, what the fuck are you doing? I was like, dude, you stood there and took it. And I'm not even asking you to fight back. I'm asking you to run. Like, and we were all around, like, I heard him shriek. By the time I got to him, the kid had fired off another couple of sh- rounds, right? But I'm going, why? Why didn't you run to me? Why didn't you? Like, he had this, oh my God, poor me. This guy shot me. And I was like, talk about victim mentality, right? So again, it's hard to look at our kids and, and see any of the sort of negatives, you know? But I was like, dude, you're you're a victim. You've got to learn to run. You've got to learn to you know, in that case, I wouldn't have stood up to the kid. I, it was just a perfect situation. And we were at a park where he could easily run behind any adult. You know what I mean? So you have to look, is your kid bent that way? Because then you want you want to be like, OK, well, let's break this down. Did you misread the situation? Did you were you able to get help? And And so I do think there's a lot of talking about this. And again, I'm not trying to excuse any bully, but we do have to get to the bottom of it. Right. Is your kid the type that's more likely to acquiesce, to give things up like money, toys, bikes? So if somebody comes in, like, give me your lunch money, is your kid more likely to be the kid who doesn't want any trouble and says, yeah, sure. Because research has shown that the kid who says, no, get the hell out of here, that kid's not going to be bullied, right? It's not about building resilience. You don't want resilience in your kid. You don't want your kid to sit and take it, right? And and so- I think resilience is the wrong word here. I know somebody had asked me that, like, how do you build resilience in your kid? I think the best thing you can do to actually prevent bullying is your child needs a a strong social crew. They need strong social skills, but they also need to have friends. So you really want to, when this becomes, of course, I know you guys mostly have toddlers, but this is something to kind of look ahead to think of. As they get into kindergarten, once they're in school, particularly, yeah, you want to make sure that they have friends. And if they don't, how can you help them? How can you get that? And there's a social hierarchy. I get that. Believe it or not, I was I was a loser. I had the we were I was always with the um, what do you call it? The fringe people, you know, the people I think we bonded because we were the oddballs. We and so we were we were targets, but because we were strong, because we we were the low social ladder, I guess you would call it. <laughs> and but 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 we were many. There were always, you know, a few of us so that it helped. One of the things about bullying that it's almost always done in front of peers, okay, and not in front of adults. And so there is that aspect. So you always want to ask your kid, you know, where was the adult? Where was the adult? Because remember, bullies are, true bullies are going to find the opportunities where an adult's not going to see them. It's going to be in the bathroom. It's going to be in the corner of the playground. It's not going to be right where somebody could get help. There's usually bystanders. Yeah. So a bully gets a hit from doing it in front of peers and there's bystanders and bystanders. We know this, you guys, we know this. Oh my God. As I record this, the verdict came back from George Floyd's case and, you know, thank God it was guilty, but there are, there are 
bystanders to any of these events. And so you want to, we know that now is like, don't be a bystander. Silence is, is complicit, right? So, so teach your child, teach your child not to be a bystander, teach your child with their social crew. You know, it's hard for one kid to stand up to a bully, but if there's three kids standing up to a bully, the bully will usually back down. So that's one of the things that you can cultivate or learn. It's really tricky when your kid goes to school, there's so much that happens that you don't see. So you really want to keep your ear open. One of the things that always made me really nervous about my niece is she never had girlfriends. And I always thought, why isn't my sister-in-law on top of that? Because your girlfriends are going to, they're going to protect you. You know what I mean? The next thing is teach your child, if your child's, you know, being bullied, you want to teach your child appropriate social cues. I'm going to put out a huge gender uh, generalization. This is a female problem. We're not taught, we're taught good girl behavior. And this sucks. And I think you don't want to teach your kid this. <laughs> oh, you want to sow the seeds in your three, four, and five-year-old. And definitely you want to sow the seeds of consent and don't touch my body. I don't like it when you touch my body like that. You definitely want to teach that kind of thing, but it gets tricky with a. You don't want to go in and teach this to a three-year-old because you will get three-year-old tyrannical dictatorship behavior if you do, but you definitely want to sow the seeds, but definitely around five or six years old, you want to teach your child the appropriate social cue. And I'm going to say a lot more about this in a specific situation with Pascal in when your kid's accused of being a bully, but you really, if your child does not like what's going on, I don't like this. You're being mean. Stop it. Yeah. You're being a jerk. Cut it out loud so other people can hear it loud in your face, in the other kid's face. What girls learn to do, and I hope this, I hope this is generational, and I hope my generation is the last, but I don't think it is because I see it all the time. Laughing. Laughing because they don't know what else to do. Okay. And it's it's a response. It's a trauma response. There's fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. We learned those. And I just learned about a new one, which is tend and befriend. And this really can happen with captors like kidnapping. It's not Stockholm syndrome, but you tend to the other person and befriend them because it's easier. I fucking do this all the time. It, it once I learned about this, I was like, oh, I do this and I fawn. I am so gonna distract and I laugh. I feel uncomfortable. I am of the generation because I'm 53. I am around a lot of like older people, right? And older guys who are just fucking creepy. And I still do it to this day. I, I kind of try to laugh it off, right? And so I'm, I'm working on it on myself, but there's fight, flight, freeze, fawn, tend, and pretend. And so I think what happens often is the child, a child will be giving the wrong social cue. And so the person who's being a jerk, not necessarily a bully, right? But is being a jerk. That person almost doesn't get the right reaction. So teach your child the appropriate social cues that you can be loud, that you can say, I don't like this. I want this to stop. Okay. In my experience, the things that you shouldn't do if your child is being bullied is telling. Oh, you should just go tell your teacher. I don't think it works. And I think it's hard for a kid to go up and tell on a bully. I think it's hard for a child to even, there's an aspect of shame in bullying and it's targeted. Of course, the bully wants the uh, the victim to feel shame, but telling often doesn't work because what you're going to get in school are two different reactions. And research has shown that the anti-bullying campaign in school sucks. 
It's bullshit. Okay. So two things are happening. The bullying doesn't stop because the teacher will say, you know, or the principal, whoever will say, oh, I didn't see it. So I can't really, I can't really show you. I can't really do anything about it. And then the, the flip side is there's this zero tolerance, which again is bullshit because there's so much nuance to this uh, bullying versus aggression and just being a dick that oftentimes it's just like across the board, both of you to the principal or, you know, or the other kid gets taken out and it was just aggression. And so again, I just don't tell your child, go tell them. Um, don't tell your child to fight back. Fighting back solo doesn't usually work. If your child, here's something to be mindful of. If your child does tell you, be sure to ask for all the details, right? Who was around? Where did it take place? Who was watching? This will really help you ascertain, was it bullying? It's consistent, persistent, it's relentless, okay? Usually a kid who is really being bullied is so full of shame that they're not going to tell you, okay? So right away, if your kid is telling you, so-and-so was bullying me today, chances are you're dealing with shitty behavior and aggression, not true bullying, okay? A kid who's being bullied is so shame-filled, they won't tell you. So really, this is where you have to be, you have to be super alert to your kid. Is there a drop-off in their behavior? Are they withdrawn? Are they, did they stop eating? Do they suddenly not want to go to school or they're really lally-gagging? They're really reticent to go to school. All of a sudden, they are faking sick. These are signs that something's wrong. Does it look like your kid has no friends? Do I, did you stop hearing about, you know, your kid always has these two friends. Oh, I love Sally and June. I love Sally and June. I love Sally and June. All of a sudden, Sally and June aren't their friends anymore. So you, you want to keep an eye out for these kinds of things. And this is hard, you guys. It's really hard again, because when your kid goes to school, especially if you work outside the home, like you have so little time, this is where you know, I'm, you know how I feel about family meals. I think from for the toddler years, they're not so important. But this is, once your kid does start going to school, this is where you need that grounding. You don't want to have overscheduling. You want a lot of time to decompress after school because there's a shit ton that happens out of your view. And you really want to lock into your bonding with your kids so that you can really start to feel out what their social crew looks like. You know, so you can really be on these behaviors. It it gets screwy. I will never forget, like when Pascal was in kindergarten and first grade, it was like the treadmill of life was really relentless. And there was so precious little time to decompress and to go through all the interactions that can happen in a day. So really make time for that. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to if your kid is accused of being a bully. And this, again, it's really important because... You don't want the wrong label. A, a bullying label can really follow your kid around. I The reason I feel so strongly about this issue is because Pascal was at one point accused of being a bully with this one, with this one little girl. And I want to explain the whole situation because I think it's a really good example of what to do and how to break it down if your kid is accused of being a bully. So the very first thing, of course, is to not have a knee-jerk reaction, which is like, no, he's not, <laughs> you know? Now, of course, and you guys know enough about Pascal and I talk about him. I didn't have a knee-jerk reaction, but I was shocked because it's just been not my experience of Pascal. But I was, I'm always willing to step back and say, is my kid a bully? Is my kid an asshole? Is my kid doing this to this child? Now, this happened to be a good friend at the time 
whose child did, did have some emotional issues. And this little girl, she was one of those kids who like has no filter. So like she talks her inner dialogue, right? So like literally nonstop talking. And I know there's probably a couple of you laughing because you might have that. I find this is a little girl quality. So again, a gender generalization. I don't see this so much in boys, but this like, I I mean, it's almost like ADD conversation. It's literally what goes on in your head. Like, oh my God, the other day, so my mom and I went shopping and we went to the grocery store. Oh my God, look at that tree. There's the leaves are falling and the leaves are brown, brown. Oh my goodness. I stepped in dog poop the other day and it was brown. And so it's like this like stream of consciousness. Um, And also like very um, high emotions, very high emotions, volatile, very like, um, I want to say dramatic, but I don't like females being called dramatic, but very, very high emotions. And a a trigger could make her, you know, meltdown for hours. Also like super manic, almost like manic highs and lows. So, and not that I'm excusing Pascal's dick behavior because of her personality. So this little girl, Ava, she, she also didn't have very good social cues. So she couldn't, she kind of couldn't tell when she was overwhelming people with her directions. She struggled with a lot of other kids is what I'm trying to say. She, and her social skills were off, off base. Yeah. But because we were good friends, we were willing to pull this apart. So the mom like came to me one day, she was crying. She was like, Pascal's bullying Ava. Uh, Ava won't, this all happened because we would go to the same ninja class. Uh, so it was a ninja gym, one, one pretty a big room, but one room. Yeah. So I was like, well, that's so bizarre because like we would sit there and watch the kids. So I, I was like, okay. And she described what was happening and that Pascal was kind of relentlessly teasing Ava and it was relentless. That's the word she used. And so I was like, okay, you know, can you tell me what he was saying? And she, she kind of couldn't pull it apart because Ava was so hysterical about it. And she said that it had been happening for a couple of weeks. So I was like, okay. It was weird to me because I I said, well, here we are. We're watching the kids. And granted, you know, we're moms chatting, but it's like one room and I never saw like a cornering of Ava. You know, like I never saw any sort of body language that showed me that Ava felt like she was being intimidated or that she felt like she was being shamed. So I was like, okay. So I was talking to the mom and I was like, I don't see this. I didn't see any sort of power dynamic. There was no power dynamic. There was, Ava was bigger than Pascal. There was no, you know, weakness versus, there was no power imbalance, right? It wasn't peers. There wasn't him against her, you know, in a circle or this, you know, that I just, I kind of keep thinking back to a Christmas story again, because I think it's so classic. There wasn't like people on Pascal's side and, you know, and poor Ava standing, like being attacked. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't hidden and it wasn't like all the time. So we kind of broke it down and I was like, well, it sounds like Pascal is being a total fucking dick. And the mom was like, no, this is, this is bullying. It's targeted. It's, and I was like, okay, but like, can we talk about maybe the social interaction that's happening and that I wasn't seeing any sort of body language. I wasn't seeing anything to me that indicated that Ava was having a hard time because the kids at the time were like, I want to say like 10 ish, not 11. They were like nine, 10 ish. And so there was definitely like, I was keeping, you know, we were still watching them. If that makes sense. You know, it wasn't like they were off on their own. Was he being a bully? I just don't think so. And I don't see Pascal having 
and nobody's ever accused him of this. So I think by the time you get to 10, if your kid is being a bully, if your kid is being a routine asshole, you're going to hear about it. You're going to hear about it from other parents. You're going to hear about it from the teacher. You're going to hear about like aggression. And I just didn't, I wasn't hearing it from anybody else. So I was like, I, I don't think I'm ready to accept the bullying label, but I do accept that this is aggression and he's being an asshole. And what can we do about it? Again, I think the language here is so important. I think it helps you also determine how to handle it because handling a bully, like if I thought my kid was being a bully, uh, that would, I would rush in. I would rush in with help. I get therapy. But if I think he's being a dick, I think that's a different thing. Now, so I, I kind of put this through my filter. My family, it, my family has a trait that I don't love and I've broken it in myself, but he has witnessed it, which is relentless sarcasm. And at a big family gathering, Thanksgiving, Christmas, any place where there's a lot of people, there's a, a targeted assholeism that happens. Like somebody doesn't, doesn't respond fast enough. I don't know if you know that kind of family that I'm talking about. It's biting. And I don't like it in my family because it's related to alcohol and the drunker people get the more relentless they get and somebody will be somebody will be the bully the, the targeted person for the the holiday and it, it switches it's it's a equal opportunity assholeism <laughs> but but as soon as you don't reply fast enough everybody starts ganging up yeah and so i was like okay pascal has seen that and then you know, I went through it with Pascal and he was like, well, I was teasing her. Yeah, but she was laughing. Now, again, I had to go through him. I said, you know, buddy, like if I'm teasing you. And so I gave him an example. I started teasing him about something. And I said, I'm going to go for the next hour and I'm not going to let up. And by the end, he was crying and he was like, no, that doesn't feel good. And I was like, okay, but even if you laugh, it's never okay to be a, a to be an asshole. It's never okay to tease somebody. It never feels good. So that was kind of an unending lesson that he and I had to go through for a couple of years, which it doesn't feel good no matter what the other person is doing. On that note, though, like me and the mom, because we were good friends and she has a daughter, I was like, yeah, but can we talk about like her social cue? Can she give him a better social cue? And she was like, well, no, it's his job not to be an asshole. And I was like, absolutely. It is his job not to be an asshole, but but you're going to run into assholes. You know, like right now I can tell my kid not to be an asshole. I can be on him endlessly to not be an asshole, but your kid is going to run into an asshole. So can you teach her the pro the proper cue? And then as a close circle of friends, I want to, can we get the kids together? I want to get them together so that Ava can look Pascal in the eye and say, I hate when you do this. It makes me cry later at home, even though I laugh because I feel uncomfortable. And the mom was unwilling to, she said, no, it's not her problem. It's Pascal's problem. You need to fix this. And to a degree, I of course understand that, but I think in your close circle of friends, I think these meetings between kids are terribly important. And I think we can facilitate this as adults and teach our kids to be advocates for themselves. And so I think that that's a perfect situation. It had happened, not, not bullying, but something similar had happened with another friend and the mom was unwilling to have the, um, to have a conversation. And so I really encourage you with your close circle of friends to encourage this, even at a young age, Teach the children to sit in a circle and to be able to tell their feelings clearly to the other person, because that's way more effective than your mom telling you something. So had this little girl looked Pascal in the eye and said, you make me cry. I cry at night. I laugh and I know that I shouldn't laugh, but I don't like to be teased like that. 
I know that would have been received by Pascal way better than me saying, dude, you're being a jerk. Stop it. You know what I mean? You know, if your kid's accused, that's how I would handle it. I would try to figure out, first of all, is, it, is your kid being a dick? And then, of course, I had to look for dick behavior across the board. And I was on, you know, on alert. Like, is he is he a jerk? Do you know what I mean? I mean, is he a bully? Is he doing this all the time? And then what ended up happening is I got really to the bottom. Of, I was like, why would you tease her like that? Like, we really had a lot of conversations about it. And it turns out that this little girl was overwhelming. And because me and the mom were good friends, we sort of forced them to be friends at an age when really they didn't enjoy each other's company. And he was really struggling with her and her um, nonstop flow of words. And it was hard for him. And so I was like, oh, I've sort of made you, I've put you in a situation where you thought you were stuck. And so, and the only reason I recognized this, which I thought was sort of interesting, is I had been dating this guy and I, for whatever reason, I felt like I couldn't break up with him and I started to get bitchy and I could see it in myself. And luckily, like I could see it. And and so it was like a really fast process. And it was like two days. And then I was like, dude, I got to break up with you because- I'm not having a good time anymore, but I recognize that like a a human thing is when we're in a situation we don't love, we start to pick at the other person. And I know you've done this to your spouse, but I, I think it happens in friendships as well, right? Where you start to nitpick at each other and then you go, oh, you know what? Maybe this friendship's run its course. So, and I haven't seen that behavior in Pascal since. So I would like to I don't think he's a bully. Um, like all kids, I do think he has the tendency to be an asshole. And we have to remember that. And I say this in, oh crap, I have a toddler all the time. You have to recognize that your kid's going to be an asshole because they have to try on being an asshole to not be an asshole. But these are opportunities, again, to grow with your child and to really bond with them and find out like what's happening, what's happening in my kid's life. How is my kid's social scene at school? How are they, you know, and keeping our eye on their whole well-being. Now, if it's not close friends, of course, it gets really, really tricky. I think the biggest thing is you have to be willing to look at your kid objectively. And that is super hard. I think it's hard. My experience is that like, if you're listening to this podcast and you're checking in with your kid, my experience is that your kid probably isn't a bully. Across the board, both with Pascal and in my own personal life, Bullies tend to have bully parents. Yeah, they're going to be the mean girls at the PTA. Like you're going to smell them a mile away because we've all had that experience. And so I'm willing to bet that unless you've seen some real antisocial behavior in your kid or some real sort of mental health questions that you are dealing with your kid simply being an asshole or being aggressive, which again, you've got to attend to it and you've got to teach and we've got to model. But I do think that It's very important for our kids to pull those two apart. If it's not close friends, it gets harder, of course, to deal with it. And you might have to deal with the. I think it's always worth reaching out to the parents and saying, you know, hey, so-and-so is having a hard time. Could we get the kids together? And then you'll see, you know, like if the kid, if the other parents like, no, not my kid, I'm not getting together. I'm not sitting down with you. You can pretty much be sure then that that kid's an asshole. (laughs) Right. So in those cases, you know, you just you really want to teach your child, be strong, give the right social cues, 
be loud and and tell them, tell them flat out you're being a jerk. Because a lot of times I think when a can, another kid's being aggressive, they may not even realize it. Like I know with Pascal, I think he was having an almost unconscious response. And again, I'm not excusing his behavior, but I think had she turned around and said, you're being awful to me and I don't like it, I think he would have taken that to heart. And so I think that's the big pull away is, is not to fight it out, but to be loud and have that appropriate social social reaction. All right. That was a lot on bullying. I hope that helps. If you have questions or feedback, I'd love to hear it. As always, I appreciate your patronage more than I can say. And I love when you guys ask me questions. So rock on. All right. I'm going to sign off for today. You can always go to jamieglowacki.com for the super cool latest updates, including the launch of my new book, Yummy New Book Presale Treats, when we release new episodes, and how to work with me directly. And of course, if you need any potty training help, there's a handy link there that will take you to all my potty training resources, including all my courses. That's the Oh Crap Potty Training online course, my pooping solutions course, and my night training supplement. And if you need additional help, how to book with a certified Oh Crap consultant. That's all at jamieglowacki.com. Have a beautiful day and rock on. 